Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. The public image of him was, was one way, whereas Russell Brand actually made himself the bad boy, you know, yeah. and desc- described his sex life yeah. uh, vividly and all the rest of it. And people thought, uh, which I don't accept at all, that uh, he was humorous. I never I never had a laugh once looking yeah. at him. I, I felt nausea looking right. at him. I yeah. Say. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. never liked well, him. I mean, you never all. struck me as the kind of guy, Michael, that would wear mas- mascara yourself. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, Michael McDowell going around, well, my new bookie wookie, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Michael McDowell here, Ranala, Dublin Six, fancy a bit of schnooky wookie on the side. Me and Eamon Gilmore and Michael D. Higgins. Woohoo! Well, myself and Senator Michael McDool talked about some serious topics in this episode, but as you can hear, we had some good crack as well. Michael is a man with a great sense of humour, but also a serious track record in Irish politics and law. He's been a TD, Tánaiste, Minister for Justice, the Attorney General. He's a barrister. He was a junior counsel, would you believe, in the 70s on the famous Malcolm MacArthur um, situation that led to the Gubu scandal. Do you remember? Um, He's a columnist for the Irish Times as well. And how he found the time to join me for an hour-long chat for this podcast, I'll never know. But I'm very glad he did, because we got through some great topics, including how broken Ireland was back in the 1970s. Do you know that the tax rate was about 77% back then? The state owned absolutely everything. Uh, And why the legal system allows for people like Russell Brand to be splashed all over the papers before being found guilty. His in-depth knowledge of the wolf tones (laughs) and his distrust, his deep distrust of Sinn Féin. So you're saying they're a wolf in sheep's clothing? Yes, they are. The ideologists are, yeah. They aren't what they appear to be. There is no doubt about that. Mm. There's a phoniness about them which uh, I detect. And um, I'm quite happy to say that. When I stood up in the Dáil and moved the idea that there should be cafe bars, that there should be a, a widening out of the availability of alcohol in Irish society, every single party came down like a ton of bricks on me and said no. And that was the power of the publicans' lobby at the time. Look at Cliff Richard. Yes. I mean, he was ruined. Ruined. By, by being accused by the media. It's fascinating in England. You know, they got rid of fox hunting. But by God, when they want to actually uh, hunt somebody down, they do it without any regard to the possibility that some of these complaints might be false. I would like to invite you up to the Aurus on uh, Friday, if you wouldn't mind. I'm having a Cuban night. Um, <laughs> we're having some music. We're having some poetry. Christy Moore uh, will be playing and the Donnan and um, some Planksty and Moving Hearts. And we'll be having poetry readings and Cuban food. Are you available? My full chat with Senator Michael McDool coming up very shortly. Right after we check the inbox of the Mario Rosenstock podcast hotline. We're always getting voicemails into the show about our upcoming guests. Sometimes we play them and sometimes we don't. Uh, but let's see who's been leaving messages for this particular politician that's on this podcast today. Hi, you've reached the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Please leave a message. Good morning, this is Michael O'Leary. For once, you have somebody half-decent on that podcast of yours. And not one of those namby-pamby, pinko-liberal, climate-changey, gender-neutral, vegetarian, mindful merchants. Michael McDowell, straight down the middle, well, maybe down the right-hand side a touch. But I've got my Doritos ready, can't wait. Now shut up and get on with it.
Hello, uh, Mario. Uh, this is Michal Martin uh, here at Tonishta uh, with a message from Michael McDool uh, going forward. Uh, Michael, we've had some trouble uh, with protesters outside the doll. Uh, one of them gave uh, Michael Healy Ray a terrible time. Any time, any chance at all, you could come back uh, into government just for a brief stint as Minister for Justice. I know you enjoyed your time there and I know you're partial to a bit of barbed wire. Um, maybe throw in a few snipers and a few tanks. Uh, for us, if you can, we we need to get tough with these lads. Go forward, uh, and and thanks, thank you, thank you, Michael. Bolly Yeri Galair, uh, this is Mary Lou Macdonald. It has come to my attention that Michael McDowell will be appearing on your podcast. I would urge listeners uh, not to heed any of his nonsense about Sinn Fein being a non-democratic party. I can assure. Um, all the listeners, that I am the leader of the party. I make the decisions. Only me. Only me. And, let me, and let me be categorically clear no, no that entity. there is no outside entity pulling strings, pulling strings in, in Sinn Féin. So it's clear that there is great excitement about my chat and there's a lot of ears on this episode um, with Michael McDowell. So let's not delay it any further. I wanted to kick off things with the incredible CV he has. TD, Tonishta, Minister for Justice, Attorney General, Barrister, Senator, Newspaper Columnist. As they say, he has done the state some service. Well, I've enjoyed everything I've done. And I, to be honest with you, I think, you know, when you get elected as a TD, I was elected three times, lost my seat three times. In fact, when I was re-elected to the Shannon in 2016, uh, my eldest son said to me, uh, you know, uh, congratulations, that's the first time you've been re-elected to anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. But I mean, it is an honour to serve. And uh, if you have a if you have a purpose in serving, uh, that's the important thing. There's no point in uh, seeking office for its own sake. Um, because uh, it's, uh, you know, you have better things to do with your life. And um, unless you're achieving things, there's no point in being in politics. Mm. And just before we started this, we, we discussed the fact that you're 72 years of age, hale and hearty, looking great, and that we were discussing how that is just the way the world has changed, that uh, you, it is just not an issue anymore to work well into your 70s. Well, yes. And, and the real question is, I mean, I, I was about 10 or 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, people were trying to retire early in their 50s. You know, and I saw... Um, you know, well uh, heels solicitors trying to get out of their practices in their 50s. I don't know what became of them all, but I don't think it's very healthy, you know. They normally drop dead on the third hole in Druid's Glen. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Ten days into their retirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, what happened to Jerry? <laughs> uh, he was out in the golf course. They keeled over. Um, I've never done, You were. I, I was saying to Ed on the way up, you were one of the few politicians that I, I didn't do an impression of. Well, I think I'm impression proof um, because a, a few people, I mean, apart from uh, comparing me to Heinrich Himmler and people like that <laughs> in the past, I, I apart from that, uh, I think I am fairly impression proof. Difficult accent to catch. Maybe a difficult accent to catch. Maybe, uh, But I'm, I'm hoping at the end of this that, that I'll have a breakthrough moment. Exactly, yeah. Um, why would people, for, for our listeners again, it's not just you're talking to me, why would people refer to you as Heinrich Himmler? Well, I mean, it was uh, when the PDs were established um, the left in Ireland immediately announced that we were Thatcherites uh, and uh, tried to categorise everything we did as, you know, right-wing, reactionary, uh, anti, anti-people. And uh, it's, it suits, suited, uh, uh, you know, the hard left to uh, have a bogeyman. And uh, the PDs were bogeymen and I was a particular bogeyman of some of the people on, yeah. the, on the left. And we'll come back to that in a minute. OK, Ireland in the 70s. You yeah. grew up in Ireland in the 70s. 
Well, Ireland in the 70s... P- paint a picture for me of how horrendous Ireland in the 70s was. Ireland in the 70s was um, in a really seriously uh, damaged state. We had just joined the EU, but we were um, at the at the start of the Troubles in Northern Ireland, you know, bloody Sunday, 1972, the British Embassy being burned down here. Big industrialists... Being, you were in your 20s as a lawyer. I, I was in my 20s as a lawyer. Big, big industrialists being kidnapped, you know, Tita, Harum uh, and people like that being kidnapped by the IRA. Um, uh, very little foreign investment in Ireland and people like uh, um, uh, Harima, for instance, he was he was kidnapped uh, running a large um, uh, multinational in, in Limerick for ransom by the IRA. Um, bombs going off in Northern Ireland, bombs going off in Dublin. Um, but but really, there was a sense of absolute uh, despair among many people in Ireland, um, particularly because the uh, the economy was simply not functioning, and young people really had no option but to emigrate. There weren't jobs for there them. There was up to seventy seven percent tax. At, yes, at times yeah, in uh, the pound, there was seventy percent tax. That was the top rate, and then it went up uh, with a surcharge to seventy seven percent at one point. Seventy seven. Um, Pence yes, out of every pound. Exactly. And uh, and, and the sta- the lowest rate was 35 plus yeah. uh, plus uh, social secu- uh, social uh, um, uh, PRSI or yes. whatever. But um, to give you an example of the, uh, of Ireland then, the state ran everything. I mean, uh, people forget this now. The state ran all broadcasting and uh, ruthlessly tried to stop anybody coming in as pirates. Mm. The state ran... Um, all communications such as uh, 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 you know phones and um, post and all the rest of it the state ran uh, I think was uh, three insurance companies certainly three banks two shipping lines the BNI uh, um, uh, uh, um, shipyards uh, the state ran um, a what we call it a fertilizer factory in Wicklow. The state ran um, uh, virtually anything you could that was significant. Uh, Aer Lingus, by the way, was uh, in in the nineteen seventies um, uh, state run. There was no there, there was no competition because they had a cartel arrangement with, with British European Airways as they were at that time. Uh, we had the highest uh, um, London Dublin. Uh, uh, Fairs mm. there ever were. I mean, like, I mean, the seventies. It was like three hundred quid or something. Yeah, it, it, was, it was. It was something like a hundred and something quid. But that was like you know two or three times an average uh, uh, la- laborer's work wage, work wage yeah. to, to get on a plane to London. You know, yeah. that was the kind of thing we were dealing with, and uh, extremely high taxation, um, and uh, so that was Ireland in the nineteen seventies and into the early nineteen eighties. Mm. So are we are we saying that Michael McDowell is a young lawyer? Um, definitely, you know, on his way up and um, going well. And did you then decide, I don't know, this? I'm looking around at this world that I'm in, this Ireland. I'd like to get involved. Well, what actually happened was, I mean, I came from a Fine Gael family. And um, my first day on UCD, where the National Concert Hall is now, mm. was a huge big open space um, called the Great Hall in UCD. Mm. And there was a Freshers' Exhibition and the young Fine Gael um, branch had a had a, a stand there, so I signed up, and um, uh, I was always interested in politics, 
Um, but uh, my father was a civil servant, so I wasn't in a position to, he, he wasn't that political in the mm. family, but I, I was interested in politics. And um, I joined the student branch and then Gareth Fitzgerald was the local TD and Gareth uh, was a family friend of ours. He um, asked me to become his constituency organiser, um, which I did. Mm-hmm. And then I became his constituency chairman over the following 10 years. Uh, and I um, uh, used to go, in, in those days, Mario, people don't remember this. In Dublin Southeast, which was slightly smaller than Dublin Bay South is now, there were 12 Fine Gael branches and each of them met uh, for eight or nine months of the year in a pub or a, a room of a pub. And there was the, you know, the minutes, the treasurer's report, the correspondence and um, whoever came to speak to them. And uh, people attended religiously at those meetings. There'd be, you know, between 12 and 20 people at each of those branches. And I had to go and visit each of them once a month. Mm. So, I mean, that was the kind of work I was doing politically. And I was also directing elections. So I got to understand how Mm. the electoral system worked. And eventually... um, Come uh, the Fine Gael Labour uh, coalition um, in uh, 1982, which was elected after the year of the three um, elections, elections mm. um, I began to come to the view that uh, the taxes were too high, mm. the state was too um, dominant in Irish society, and I sort of started a debate within Fine Gael. Garrett didn't agree with me, and I um, sort of uh, became the bold boy slightly. Right. So you became a little bit of a, a black sheep within yeah. the local Fine Gael yeah. Uh, yeah. constituency. You're still working as a lawyer. Yeah. And then, of course, this ultimately leads to the foundation or you, you are one of the founder members or one of the the brains behind this party that changed Irish politics for a while, the Progressive Democrats. Yeah, well, the um, the Progressive Democrats, uh, Des O'Malley was expelled from Fianna Fáil for the heinous sin of abstaining uh, uh, he actually went to Leopardstown to the races uh, on, a, on, a, on a bill to legalise contraception. Fianna Fáil were opposing it and they're saying it was uh, something that would bring about promiscuity in Ireland, blah, blah, blah. And uh, RTE sent a crew down to Fianna Fáil headquarters in Mount Street and uh, uh, on the night he was expelled, he gave an interview coming out um, on the steps and myself and uh, Neve, my wife, were watching that from our house in Ranala. And uh, we, I said, you know, if he starts a new party, I'd back him. Mm. And Neve said, well, how would he know that people like you would back him? He, he's not going to do it unless he gets backing. Mm. So I said, well, I'll write to him. And she said, uh, yeah, you'll write to him uh, cynically. Uh, write now and I'll post it tomorrow. And uh, so therefore, in late 1984, I wrote a letter to Des O'Malley uh, saying, if you start a political party, I'll help you out. Yeah. So that uh, letter remained on a file in his office, apparently, until uh, uh, sometime in the following year when the Anglo-Irish Agreement rose within Fianna Fáil were at a, at a height and he'd been expelled. He was now a, an independent backbencher. And Mary Harney looked at his file of letters and said, Michael McDougall is worthwhile having. Yeah. So I was... That way became involved in the yes. foundation of the PDs. Yes. I, I claim to be the only TD who was ever nagged by his wife into politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, and I remember, I remember uh, as even a 15 year old, uh, yeah. I remember the kind of one of the first press conferences. And I remember um, Des O'Malley and yeah. I remember Mary Harney. Yeah. And I remember this 
peculiar red-headed fella on the Ge- left. Geeky guy on the left. Yeah, and you that were the red-headed me. fella. Yeah, I was the chairman, yeah. yeah you I, were... I'd hair there. Though. Yeah, you had hair then. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, like, what did PDs, like, from my vague memory of it, the PDs, and for my listeners out there, the PDs were, let's say, very, I suppose you would say, right of centre economically. They wanted uh, kind of maybe a, a laissez-faire, liberalised economic situation. You can cut me off now anytime you want to. And I suppose in matters of social matters, they were more soft. So they were, yeah. they were more, they were, they were, they would have been pro, um, not pro, but well, we, they would have, they would have been okay with the idea of divorce. I would, I would describe it as liberals. Liberals. We were liberals both ways. We believed liberal in li- economics, liberal economics yeah. and liberal politics. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, when you think back about it, uh, the kind of Ireland that I was describing yes. to you earlier, <clears throat> it, it, you didn't have to be right wing. You didn't have to be uh, like Margaret Thatcher. You didn't have to say stupid things like there's no such thing society. as society mm. or whatever uh, to see that there was something radically wrong. So we now have competition in broadcasting, as you well know. Mm. We have competition in parcel delivery. We have competition in air travel. And all of those things, subject to um, some degree of regulation, have been immeasurably good for the Irish people. Mm. And they were opposed bitterly by the political establishment at the time. Mm. These. Yeah. But, 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 but largely, I suppose, that's what we are now. Yeah. And I mean. Um, so, in other words, well, if I said to you that the country was being run by a bunch of PDs, I wouldn't be that far wrong. Um, well, uh, just wait until the next election and you might be very far wrong. Uh, <laughs> we'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> um, but uh, no, but a, a huge amount. I mean, the PDs were in government, uh, in existence for 20 years and in government for more than, uh, for 10 of those 20 years. Yes, 12, but 12 of those what I'm saying, Michael, yeah, is... But the point I'm making is we did make a huge difference uh, in that time. Mm. And what we were arguing about, lowering tax rates, getting them down to 40 and 20%, um, those kind of things did happen. Yes, absolutely. So, would I be right in saying then that the people who are running our country now, namely, let's say, Leo Varadkar and um, Pascal Donoghue. I mean, Pascal Donoghue, his name, PD. I mean, for <laughs> God's sake, Michael, it's there for you. Well, I'd say, uh, I noticed uh, Stephen Collins wrote a book recently and um, he was, it's a book about Fine Gael from Collins to Varadkar, uh, as if Fine Gael existed when Michael Collins was alive, which is complete rubbish. Right. But um, anyway, leave that aside. Stephen, who I like a lot and admire a lot, he asked, uh, he had an interview um, at, at the very end of his book with Leo Varadkar and uh, um, he was just talking about the future of Irish politics. And he said the one thing that he feared was the emergence of something like the PDs again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Second last page and last page of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we talked briefly about Ireland in the 70s. Yeah. Um, for those of you who've seen Reeling in the years, you know, we, we've all seen it. Michael's described it. We've talked about the PDs and what you've claimed as, um, you know, their influence and how ultimately some of the things that they stood for are now the the, the sort of the, the, the norm, really, yeah. in Ireland. Low tax rates um, and a fairly liberal um, social um, yeah. a, a outlook. Um, so, I mean, you're an erudite man. Um, how do you feel our country is doing at the moment? Well, I think it's doing immensely better than it was, put it that way. I mean, uh, the very fact that uh, we have inward immigration, whether um, whether it's controlled or uncontrolled is a different matter. But the very fact that people want to come and live in Ireland um, shows that uh, this country is doing remarkably better than it, than it was at the time and I was talking about earlier when it was just hemorrhaging its young people out every year because there was no hope for them here. Mm. Um, 
we have huge problems. We have problems with um, housing. We have problems with um, infrastructure. We have problems with, uh, with um, uh, you know, a, a lot of areas. But our problems are small compared to what they were then. I mean, there was no problem with housing then. I mean, Dublin City had huge suburbs of social housing. But the people, the kids who were being brought up in those houses, and they were, this is in, uh, you know, um, pre-Vatican mm. uh, II times and mm. all the rest of it. These, those kids, uh, and there were large families, they mm. were all just going yeah. to England. Yeah, I'm not a cheerleader and I'm not a political mm. person. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not an apologist for any party. Yeah. But I am over 50 years of age. Yeah. And I was just listening to a, a journal, an econ- economist who I really like listening to and who's been on this podcast. His name is Chris Johns. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he flits between... London and Dublin all the time. Yeah. Like like twice, three times a month. Yeah. And he was describing to Eamon Dunphy the other day how he was walking through Dublin and he said, and uh, and compared it to walking to through London. And he said, do you know what I thought, Eamon? And Eamon was almost, you know, l- lasciviously waiting for the, the <laughs> negative comment. And he went, yeah. he went um, Dublin is much better, much yeah. better. Yeah. And, and he went, well, what do you mean? Much better. Yeah. And uh, Chris went, it's more optimistic. It's yeah. more hopeful. There's stuff going on. There's cranes everywhere. I see more smiles on the street. Yeah. He says, all I see in England is doom, gloom and um, and, and and negativity yeah. and um, and bad news. And I, I, I follow the British politics yeah. quite closely. Yeah, same and, and it is very, 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 very bad at the moment. And I think it's even worse than anybody's letting on. Well, I mean... Um the other night on television, there was a programme with uh, Laura Kunzberg dealing with the Tory party. And, you know, uh, she was just mentioning that they had five prime ministers in whatever it was, three years or whatever mm. it was. And, you know, that was the kind of thing that happened in, in Italy, Ireland, in Italy when I was a child, yes. you know, uh, that, uh, that governments, uh, prime ministers came and went. But, I mean, I have a general feeling about the UK. I mean, leave Northern Ireland out of the UK for a second. Um, I think it's uh, it's mouldering and it's declining. And, um, you know, they, they're now c- cutting back on this high-speed rail to the north. Uh, they're, um, the, uh, the amount of... Um, the big problem the Tories have is that people are opting out of economic activity. You know, there's an awful lot of um, people just... Uh, they need jobs, Michael. They need jobs. But they don't want immigrants. They, they, that's right. It's weird. And and, and they, they want they want the basic jobs done by immigrants. Yes. But they don't really want to look at them yeah. or to accept them. Tor- England, in my view, so this is only my view now, yeah. uh, Britain is being run by approximately 140,000 um fat grey-haired Tories living in the southeast of England yeah. who vote for their their man or their woman and they are actually running the whole place at the moment. Well I mean you go back to the the whole thing about how Brexit took place. I mean because they have a stupid electoral system the Tory party couldn't take the risk that uh, UKIP would um, would diminish their majorities in marginal seats mm. so they made the stupid promise of a referendum even though they didn't actually want a referendum and the leadership of the party mm. was uh, uh, was in favour of remaining in mm-hmm. Europe. And um, again, the same group of <laughs> um, overweight, grey-haired people uh, in, in the south of England and, curiously, the unemployed 
right across the red wall constituencies, they all got together to say the problem with us is not ourselves or not what we're doing wrong. It's Europe. They're, t- they're, they're the problem. And they voted themselves out. And ever since that, they've been in, 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 a, in the, the spiral of decline is getting more and more rapid as far as I can see. Mm. And talk about levelling up. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, it's, 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 it's widening. The well, gap is widening all the time. And not only is the economic gap, the moral gap is widening. Yeah, the, 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 the alienation between yeah. the two sides is, is getting worse. But the, level, the levelling up process um, just simply, uh, it's, 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 everything is just sinking down like a souffle at the so moment. So it's levelling down. It's levelling down mm. at the moment. And um, I mean, you know, um, to get to ideology, for instance, Mario, uh, the you know the hard left think of the working class versus the capitalist bourgeois blah 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 that's the division in 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 uh, classic left right um, ideology or whatever politics. But in my lifetime, um, the the life of a middle class person and the life the life of a working class person that used to be have become closer and closer. You know. Holidays abroad um, aren't impossible for somebody who's um, uh, used, whose family would have been des- described as working class before. They all have washing machines. They all have uh, this, that and the other in their homes, providing they have a home, of course. Um, and, you know, um, the effort to kind of polarise uh, politics between the have-nots and the haves, which is was behind the Labour Party in Britain for a long, long time, even up to uh, their last leader. I mean, they they really um, they really uh, are living in a in a in a in a kind of a time warp. Uh, and you know, in Europe, this idea and again, there are there are exceptions to this. The 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 minorities in the banlieue outside Paris and all the rest of it. But this idea of um, the insiders and the outsiders. Uh, is simply uh, disappearing in Europe, in Scandinavia, and all the rest of it. And Ireland is is, is the same. I mean, the, 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 we do not have mass poverty here, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, everyone gets a, a secondary education who wants it. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody. Uh, um, the, the amount of kids who go into university uh, is very, very significant. More than fifty percent mm-hmm. of eighteen-year-olds get into third-level education. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done amazing things. Yeah, this is. This is kind of what I'm saying. Uh, this is kind of what I'm saying. So without... So going back to England, yes. on the other hand, it is yeah, absolutely... Yeah, in decline. It's, it's in decline, but, the, but it's, it's rigid. I mean, I, I, I'm a Republican. I find the flummery of, the, of their monarchy just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it, it's not that... Uh, I, I mean, if they want to spend a couple of hundred million mm. on having a king or a queen, that's their business. I don't mind. It's the whole idea of inequality. And it's just stitched into British society, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that some people are better than others, that mm-hmm. I could be Sir Michael McDougal if I was in mm-hmm. England mm-hmm. and you'd have to introduce me as mm-hmm. Sir Michael, mm-hmm. uh, this kind of thing. Correct. But it's enmeshed in Britain, in yeah. Britain's uh, culture. I, yeah. mean, I think a broadcaster I like in Britain, James O'Brien is his name, yeah. and um, he calls it um, um, doffing the cap. Yeah. And it's the idea that somebody as ridiculous as... I just like to say, you know, wonderful to be here. And it's, of course, it doesn't really matter what I'm talking about. And say, as long as I can just say, you know, put it in a balloon, sunlit uplands, let's just go, 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 Britain go, you know, uh, you know, Thunderbirds, I'll go. And basically everybody with an accent like that will go, absolutely, sir. 
Yeah. That's great, sir. Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Bec- why? why? <laughs> because he has an accent like that. Yeah. And they are taught that it doesn't really matter what's coming out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I talk like that, therefore I am the inheritor of power. <laughs> Isn't well, that- that, that's absolutely true. In, I mean, it's... I mean, I, I don't know. You probably think I have a sort of a Dublin educated accent or whatever. It's quite but flat. It, but it's, it's, it's nothing. I, I, I'm, I'm not posh. And I don't hold it against you that you're a Gonzaga boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely uh, Jesuitical Uber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uber Himmlers. Um, uh, uh, I, um, I, think, I think really that, uh, you know, there is something sick in Britain that they haven't faced up to. Uh, and uh, that it's know, all over. Uh, well, it's it, it will be all over if they don't. If they, if, uh, I don't know whether they're going to rejoin the common market or the EU. But I mean, they are. They. I mean, Keir Starmer is now making kind of vague noises along a closer relationship with Europe. Um, but I don't know how they're going to rescue themselves. And this has a um, a kind of a, a consequential result for Ireland too, because. A, we don't want Britain to do badly. Britain, you know, we get on well with the Brits uh, and uh, we like their television. We like their sense of humour most of the time. I, yeah, uh, and I think we like them personally. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And um, in Northern Ireland, though, there's a big issue because uh, the, the division between people who consider themselves Irish, Green and British uh, uh, um, uh, is, is, is hugely... Um, is hugely uh, problematic at the moment and, st- and, and remains so. And, uh, you know, Britain in decline um, is something which will have uh, uh, repercussions mm. in Ireland. Can I go back to the PDs for a minute? Because yeah. I, I really enjoyed just chatting to you about UK yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah. And it's obvious that you, you enjoy it like me as well, but, but probably deviating slightly yeah. away from where we're going. So you were in the PDs and the PDs, they came, they went. They were like, um, you know, they, they were like, you know, swallows. In the summer, you know, and yeah. and they didn't it didn't last long in Ireland. And uh, can I give you an anecdote? Actually, yeah, I was um twenty twenty two. I'd say I was so it yeah. was early nineties, and I was look. What do you do when you're twenty two? I was in college and I was looking for alcohol. So it was only three o'clock in the afternoon, and we were going right. Well, where are we going to get alcohol? The holy hour. <laughs> well, where are we going to get alcohol? Yeah. Well, we didn't have much money for the pubs. Yeah. So you're going free booze is the thing. Yeah. So we go right. Well, we'll toddle around to the National Gallery. Apparently, there is a few exhibitions going on there, and don't they serve the old white wine? Right. Mm. So of course we'll go in there, pretend we're interested in the old art, and we'll get the white wine. <laughs> so we and I go anyway. And this is the second time I went, and actually the first time was another time. But I'll tell you about that ago. Second time I went anyway was this time. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Caravaggio. I think it was a Caravaggio. Yeah. And I'm with my friends and we're pretending to like the Caravaggio. But we're just getting another scoops, a couple of mm. scoops there. And um, I start bullshitting about the Caravaggio. Anyway, this rather small man um, sidles up beside me and he's smoking. And he says, mm, I was listening to you just talking about. <laughs> I think I know who it is. <laughs> I was at the Caravaggio there. Um, oh, I think I recognise you. Um, Desmond O'Malley. Yeah. Um, you, you, would you ever have any interest in, in joining the Progressive Democrats? <laughs> so I'd, I'd been bullshitting about a painting. Yeah. Obviously, Desi had been listening to me and he went, well, this is a young fella, yeah. obviously a student. Uh, maybe I'll get him interested in politics. Yeah. So I went, yeah, of course I will, Mr. O'Malley. An honour. Where do I go? Well, there's a meeting at the Royal Marine Hotel. <laughs> um, Don, Don Leary will go out there and see what happens, whatever. We went out anyway, three weeks later, my friend Roger and I, and we went out and I said to the, the man at the thing, we're here for the, to the PD's meeting. And he went to the fifth floor, up we went to the fifth floor. Nobody there. 
was like all the set places, pens, yep. thing. nobody there, nobody turned up at all. So we formed our own quorum and we we, uh, we <laughs> made were, a few new... were the founders of founders the Founders of the new, the, the alternative PDs, I think we were called. <laughs> but anyway, so maybe that was a symptomatic of yeah, why yeah. the PDs died. Maybe they weren't that organised. Maybe they maybe they didn't have the infrastructure or the money behind them or the resources. Well, I can't, I can't um, put a, a date on that. But I mean, you have to remember that when the PDs were founded... Um, uh, in By the, the way, was that a good impression of Desimali? It was a very good impression. <laughs> Thank of you very much. Um, the uh, particularly the reticence, you know. Uh, but I mean, uh, he in, had a, he had a kind of a solicitor, a barrister's reticence. Yeah, but he he fancied himself as a barrister. Yeah, but there was a kind uh, you know that thing where I somebody mean, he, he was a solicitor mm. and uh, he. Uh, <laughs> He annoyed the barristers in the southwestern yeah. circuit by doing criminal cases himself in the circuit court. Okay, and I don't think the judge was too keen on, on him either. But he was—he yeah. he was a very good orator, by the way. Yeah, he, he was in Dramsock in UCD. Yeah, he was. He was uh, there was uh, something about him, wasn't there? Yeah, as a statesman. Yeah, he had a he had a. Um, if I could compare him, there was a kind of a a, a Robert F. Kennedy esque, I thought, sl- uh, slant to him. There was a, something quite noble about him. There, w- there was in the sense that he had integrity. I mean, he was not in any sense viable. Uh, he uh, had one um, drawback in politics, and that was he hated the media. Mm. I mean, he, 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 you know, he regarded he regarded everybody in the media as out there trying to, trying to trap him and trying to trying to rubbish him. And eventually, you'll have to me- deal with the media if you want to be. Yeah, exactly. What about you? Did you are you in a, were, were in poli- in politics? Were you driven by sp- in quotes, unquote, ideology, as in what I mean by ideology is yeah. maybe not ideology, pragmatism, getting things done. Or were you, did you have an ideology? And the third thing is, were you ambitious? Did you want to become Taoiseach? Um, did I want to become Taoiseach? Every, everybody in Danster House wants to be Taoiseach, right? I mean, literally everybody wants to be Taoiseach. But um, some of them, uh, it, 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 the difference between them is that it takes, uh, it takes time for them all to realise that they're not going to be Taoiseach and uh, the um, the uh, the sooner you realise it probably the better it is for you but um, uh, no I mean um, my interest in politics really was it stemmed from the circumstances that I told you the country in a mess um, me saying if that guy starts a party I'll help him and I ended up being chairman of the party from its foundation and then uh, but even then uh, I wasn't um, uh definite that I wanted to be a TD. And I remember in Dublin Southeast, as it then was, there were a, a number of other persons, one of whom was a, a good, very, very close friend of mine, the late Adrian Hardiman. And, uh, I knew he, him well. He, he, was, he was a potential TD for the PDs. Mm. And, but, but due to this, that and the other, it ended up that they nominated me. And I remember saying to Neve, I'll give it 10 years. I was 35 at this stage. And I, I will not go more than 45, mm. but that was a broken promise. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. You stuck at it. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you, th- how, as you what, how do you reflect upon your life in politics? Um, d- you know, obviously, you've, you on paper, on, on your CV, you've achieved a lot. Did you feel you, you, you got things done? I mean, you do from the PD's point of view, don't you? Yeah, I, I think the PD's got a lot done. And, and when I was minister for, uh, when I was attorney general, uh, um, I was advisor to a coalition government. When I became a minister in my own right, I, I did set out to uh, reform things like Garda Síochána, the law of defamation, the law of real property, um, you know, uh, to try and get the prisons uh, modernised. Uh, you know, there were reverses, for instance. Um, uh, you can hardly believe it. When I stood up in the, uh, in the Dáil and moved the idea 
that there should be um, cafe bars and that we shouldn't all just be in, in pubs, um, you know, that there should be a, a widening out of the availability of alcohol in Irish society. Every single party, the Greens, Fine Gael, Labour, whoever the DLs were, and Fianna Fáil, they all came down like a ton of bricks on me and said no. And that was the power of the uh, publicans' lobby at the time. Yeah. And uh, I realised that I, I was simply uh, not going to get that through. But I mean, time has, time has proven that, uh, you know, running a pub as a pub um, rather than running it as a, as a uh, you know, a bistro or whatever it is, um, that you, you go around Dublin now, you see the amount of food available in pubs. Mm. Um, uh, it, it, it was an idea before its time. OK. Overall, we've agreed that Ireland compared to the 70s is not only relatively better, it's 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 miles, yeah. eons better than it was. Yeah. We've also agreed that relatively it's in good shape in comparison to our nearest neighbour, um, mm. the UK. I would argue that in many respects it's in good shape in comparison to places like the United States as well and yeah, under, under yeah. certain metrics. But there are a lot of people under 30 years of age that think this place is a shithole. <laughs> so they think it's a shithole. Yeah. And, you know, okay. And that's why, more than likely, they're going to elect Mary Lou MacDonald as the next Taoiseach. And Sinn Féin are going to get 65 70 seats in the next election, possibly. And they're going to be presumably, very possibly the next government. So my question to you is, you can answer it any way you want it. So a lot of people in your, in, a lot of people in your position will go, it, it, the place is going to implode if Sinn Féin get in. What do you say? Well, first of all, I mean, there are a number of assumptions there. Yeah. I don't think Sinn Féin are going to do as well in the next election because I think that over the next year, Middle Ireland is going to um, make a decision and I hope assisted by something where the PDs were, um, which gives them a choice that you don't have to be um, in Sinn Féin to worry about housing or to seek a solution to the housing problem or that you don't have to re-elect what is um, a very weak and underperforming government, uh, the FFFG Green Alliance. That, that If that's your, your choice, um, somebody, some another choice will be offered. That's my view, and um, therefore I'm taking nothing for granted about the next okay. election. Um, uh, but um, okay, if but, they but, get but, in, but, will, but, it, but, but, will but, it implode? Well, I don't know is the answer to that because mm. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, it depends on who they get in with, because they're certainly not going to get in by themselves. Because you you've given them sixty seats, they'll need nearly ninety seats mm. with the expanded yeah, yeah. oil to to. to to uh, to yeah. um, so I mean, Will they go in with Fianna Fáil. Well, that's a possibility. But if Fianna Fáil wants to be the the mudguard of Sinn Féin, um, so so be it. Mm. Uh, it, it, mm. it, it What's it's, your fears it, about it, Sinn Féin? It, it, it amuses me because we, the PDs were accused of being the mudguard of Fianna Fáil <laughs> yeah, right. at the time, and now they're becoming a mudguard to another. <laughs> they were uh, regarded as a temporary little solution as exactly, well, weren't they? Temporary little arrangement. Temporary little arrangement. Um, uh, but I mean, um, I. I I mean, I don't, I, I really um, think that... Uh, There's little chance you'll vote for Sinn Féin. No, I, I wouldn't vote for them. I don't uh, for, for a very simple reason. I'll tell you why I wouldn't vote for them. Because of uh, the nature of that party. It is not an ordinary party. They don't have, their TDs and senators do not get together to decide anything collectively. 
just doesn't happen. There's an Ard Corlea and there's a committee. And for instance, in Belfast, um, when the uh, Ash for Cash uh, uh, crisis broke out, and um, it turned out that um, O'Millor, Martin O'Millor, who was the Minister for Finance in the uh, Stormont government, had to contact an unelected person in Sinn Féin's head, co- head office, and this was all uh, exposed in a report recently, to find out what he was going to do on, on an issue. Uh, so, I mean, you look at Sinn Féin now, I see them in, in, in the door. None of them is allowed to dissent in any way in public from the party line. Uh, that's highly unusual in politics. They, it's what Vladimir Lenin calls democratic centralism. Or calls, that uh, um, Once the line is taken, you must obey it and you must support it and you may not publicly dissent from it. And if you do publicly dissent from it, like Carol Nolan or, or Pather Tobin, you're out, just gone. So are you saying fundamentally it's an undemocratic party? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't the, hear that discussed much in I mean, modern. Uh, have you ever heard of a significant internal debate in Sinn Féin? Have I heard of a significant internal debate in any party? No, no, sorry. I mean, there are there are wings in Labour, yeah. and there were wings. So in there Fiat are no Fiat. wings in Sinn Féin. There, 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 could you there, not just argue? I mean, that, could you? Where, could where, not, where, where did Mary Lou come from? Nobody, nobody saw her, her, her coming. Well, where do you think she came from? Sorry, she was selected by by a group of people who were the Art Corley to mm. be the the person. Why? Um, I don't know, but I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, she was okay. she she was she was selected because they probably wanted a woman who was intelligent. Yes, uh, and they wanted a, a pretty face, and a middle class accent. I, when I use the phrase "pretty face," I mean an attractive, an acceptable face, face yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. Sinn Fein, and a uh, middle class accent. And a middle class accent, yeah. Is that what you mean as well? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, not a northern accent. <laughs> not a northern accent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so are I mean, you saying. So, and, and where did Michelle O'Neill come from? There wasn't a, even a contest. Sure. Uh, so, so nobody, nobody, nobody yeah. sort of said, I want to be leader of Sinn Féin. All right, no, no, no. Yeah. Please let me get to the answer. So are you saying fundamentally then that it's an undemocratic party and that really it doesn't answer to itself? It answers to forces which are outside? Yes, it does. Does it really? It does, yeah. 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 Okay, that's not a message that's really, really resonating out there. No, it's not because um, uh, because they are very, very careful about uh, about the image they project. I mm. mean, for instance, until six months ago, no Sinn Féin TD wore a tie, but the message went out: you're all to wear ties and suits and jackets. And suddenly, uh, they are they've changed their 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 dress code. Because they want to project the image, we are a professional political party now. But I mean, uh, you know, the uh, Ingo Sosnodigs wouldn't have been seen dead with a tie around their neck uh, two Jesus, years ago. That two, came out beautifully, Michael. Two, two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now he's all uh, he's all tidied up, oh. and that's that's there's, there's, the message has gone out. Uh, tidy clean up. up your act. Clean up your act. Stop yeah. singing up the ra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and do you think for now this is an honest question I mean, not, my, my questions aren't mischievous in any mm. way because um, this is one of the things I was saying to you at the beginning I, yeah. am, I am absolutely fascinated and I'm interested to hear your yeah. view so um, do you think Jerry Adams for example would still carry a lot of political power within the party no I don't think that he does anymore no. uh, I think I think he's a figure in decline within the Ard Corda and uh, So do you think so, there are figures that we really generally don't know their names yeah, yeah, I mean, Pat Lee he wrote a, a, a very good um, full page thing in the Irish Times about who really pulls the strings in, in, in Sinn Féin and it is not it's put it this way if a young um, Dublin South East 
middle class um, girl or boy joins Sinn Féin, the chance that they will influence where that party is going is zero. Mm. Mm. Okay, give me two minutes or give me two minutes on what you think they want to do. Or let's just say, let's just take your um, uh, let's just take your theory, yeah. which is more than a theory in your eyes, um, to its ultimate conclusion. Well, so let's say Sinn Féin are on the... Suppose they get an overall majority. Yeah, that's, that's, that's overall majority. Yeah, what do they want to do? They want, and, and it, it says, it's what it says on the tin, they want to establish a 32-county socialist republic. Mm-hmm. That's what they say they want to mm-hmm. do. What is a 32, if I know what 32-county is, but what is a socialist republic? Well, that's the point. I mean, um, you have to look at people uh, um, who are, uh, as what they mean by socialism. Yeah. And uh, um, their spokesman on, on, on housing, um, he has uh, written... Uh, a book on Sinn Féin's position on the Irish left. Mm. And uh, he and others um, are, are, they're Marxists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, uh, they're pretending all the time they're not. And I mean, if you want to go back into the history of left-wing politics, uh, the big thing is to is to uh, um, br- broaden your appeal while remaining true to your own personal ideology. Well, Labour... For example, the the original Labour Party in Britain would have ultimately been Marxist at the beginning. Exactly. Yet the Blairites yeah. weren't Marxist in any shape or form. Exactly. And I mean, but they uh, were Labour. And I mean, Labour in Ireland was James Connolly was a Marxist, uh, and uh, Larkin was a Marxist. Uh, but in fact, um, if you got to Brendan Howland, he, he's he's not a Marxist. Not at all. Brendan or Co- Alan Kelly. Or Brendan Corish. They're not. <laughs> Alan Kelly isn't a Marxist. They're not Marxist. Yeah. But I mean, uh, the big thing is that at, in the Labour Party, they have national conferences and there is genuine um, uh, yes. uh, discussion at those conferences. OK, well, you tell me then. Again, you, you've spent your life in politics. Uh, an overall majority for Sinn Féin that says a socialist republic. What do you think they think they mean? Well, I, I think they mean, generally speaking, that the uh, role of the state would be massively Total. increased. And uh, 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 that... Uh, they don't really. They don't really want foreign investment in Ireland. They'd much prefer to have a state-run enterprise in Ireland, but they don't. They can't advertise that. They can't wear that on their sleeves at the moment because they know it would scare people. So you're saying they're a wolf in sheep's clothing? Yeah, yes, they are. The ideologists are. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so I mean, uh, they aren't what they appear to be. There is no doubt about that. Mm. Um, uh, there's a phoniness about them which uh, I, I uh, detect and um, I'm quite happy to say that because, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've dealt with every political party that ever existed in Ireland and um, they are the only one that have got to the sta- the, the position they're in, yeah. which in the polls is very significant. Yeah. And in effect, um, you're saying as well. It doesn't really matter what Mary Lou did. She do, does. She could get up at midday in the afternoon. She could tell them all, let them eat cake. She could have uh, eleven o'clock in the morning. She could or eleven o'clock. Elevens is in the morning. She could have four o'clock afternoon tea. She couldn't do a tap for the party because she's not going to call the shots anyway. But, but she doesn't call call the shots. I mean, she does not call together a group of people in Doyle Aaron and say, "This is what we're you know mm. uh, what what do we do about X or Y?" And I presume you mean that if they did get into power, that the cabinet would be formed by that art corla as well. Well, um, the, the the people who would be selected for the cabinet would be selected by them. Yes, no doubt about that. That's pretty. That's quite. But they they pride themselves on that, and I mean, I, I'll give you an example. 
Um, there was a, a, a veteran Republican, which is a great phrase they use uh, for fellows who were in the RA, Francie Malloy in uh, in Northern Ireland. And he was a councillor and he was then an MP in uh, Mid-Ulster somewhere. Um, and um, uh, Jerry Adams launched a, a, a local government reform document which effectively wanted to create um, six super councils um, in, in, in Northern Ireland Three would have been, or three would have been green. Two would have been uh, uh, orange, and that was his plan. And Francie Malloy liked the um, eighteen district council model, and he, when when this was announced in Belfast, he said he didn't agree with it. That afternoon, Jerry Adams suspended him from membership of the party. That's that's what happens. And right across Ireland, a whole lot of their local councillors have been tapped on the shoulder and told, "You're not running again." Mm-hmm. And they, they, they either resign or they claim they're being bullied or whatever it is. But there are people in, 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 in Sinn Féin who, who have the power to tap you on the shoulder and say you're not running. Mm. Having said that, do some people in Sinn Féin, if you can separate their, the SF, if you can take the SF off their lapel, do some people impress you? Um, Does Owen O'Brien impress you? Does Pierce Doherty impress you? Owen O'Brien and Pierce Doherty are clever people. Right, they're not. They're not. They're not stupid people. Now is Mary Lou, by the way, and and by the way, and there are very few of them who are dopes. <laughs> very few of them who even are at that end of the of the of, of the spectrum. My favourite is Imelda Munster. Well, um, God bless you. But I mean, I loved uh, her in the Oireachtas Committee hearings. Yeah, I don't but, know if you saw but, them. but but I mean, um, some of, some of them are, are 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 better than others, but they do not have fools in the door. Mm. But by the same token, and I I really do mean this. They are a hard left socialist party pretending not to be that. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, um, anybody who, I mean, if you if you vote for for a party which says, I mean, just examine its history, examine all its uh, its its uh, its um, mm. its manifestos. Yeah. It was anti EU because it was a capitalist oh. organization. Just to let me let me expand. They 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 um, the on was regularly. Um, uh, extolling the virtue of Castro's Cuba, they sent people to um, um, uh, Colombia to um, sell um, military know-how to the to, to the FARC. Um, they uh, uh, who, who were the communists in 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 in, um, in, in, in Colombia, communist guerrillas. Um, they. Uh, when they went to the European Parliament, they ended up in the group with all the communist parties. So, I mean, I'm not imagining this. this these are the facts. But um, the Irish media, funnily enough, I don't know the, the extent to which uh, they've just got tired of pointing it out. But if you actually look to what they, um, what, where they have been and what they have been saying about themselves, they are very far left. And Owen O'Brien is a Marxist. I don't think uh, um, uh, that uh, that uh, uh, some of them are. Mar- I don't think, for instance, Mary Lou is a Marxist. But I don't know. Uh, in a in an ideological argument, I don't know whether Ono Brin is better connected with the Ard Corla than Mary Lou is. Hmm. Okay, just again, it's almost a mechanical thing at this stage. So let's say, to take your theory, they are non-democratic. They don't run themselves. They're run by hidden forces. Let's presume that they are democratically centralist that they are Vladimir Ilyich Lenin, let's say that yeah. they are um, hard left, that they are socialist, along the lines of Castro's Cuba. 
just tell me this from a person who is in government for many years and, and not only in government, but in the legal fraternity as well. Yeah. Can a party like that come in and, well, I'll try, I'll choose my words carefully, but I'll have to say it anyway, yeah. hijack the state? Or does the civil service just go, nice one, lads, we'll take care of it? The, the civil service has to, um, has to obey the government of the day. And where if the government of the day is is um, actually taking instruction from a group of people off stage, um, uh, there's nothing the civil service can do about it, um, and that applies right across the board. You know, um, that's mm. that's the way the the country works. The civil service in Ireland, they're immensely loyal people. Yes, they may they may have their faults, and they do have some faults. Yes. but I, I I know from my period in the Department of Justice, they're hardworking, they're yes. loyal, but, and 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 they they support the state. But to but to that end, if that happened and they were there, lads, this isn't going to happen. Would would then the Sinn Fein government then just wholesale have them out the door? No, I mean uh, simply they they will do what they're told to do by ministers. Right, okay. If the government says nationalize a bank, right, they they'll just go it. ahead and do it. They, they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, Michael. <sighs> yeah. What would be your top three favorite Wolf Tone songs? <laughs> well, a nation once again is a, is, is 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 a favorite because when I was uh, with the Jesuits in Gonzaga, we had a little green book of uh, songs, Irish songs. And I mean, Cottle Brewer's uh, grandson was uh, in, in the same, roughly the same period I was in Gonzaga. And we were um, singing The Foggy Jew and uh, uh, Bula Vogue and all of these things in the choir in Gonzaga uh, and um, uh, A Nation Once Again and uh, Claire's Dragoons, you name it. We, we sang it. I'm, I'm always... Uh, Sean uh, Sout? Uh, no, Sean Sout did not feature. Uh, <laughs> the, the book was a bit... Um, in the, I remember I went to Gonzaga in 1959. Sean Sout... Uh, was only was he three years dead at that time? Mm. Uh, so I mean, he was, and that was D- a different. I'm, thing. I'm, tell me, I'm stupid, but you're a Gonzaga boy who virulently disagrees with Marxist, Republican, hidden forces, Art Corla, Sinn Fein, singing well, a nation t- t- once t- again. T- t- how t- do you t- t- explain? How do you square t- that? Take out the term Republican, because I don't believe they are Republican. My view of Republicanism is a liberal uh, state where the state is the master of none and the servant of everyone. Um, they have a different. They have a state dominated. Yes. Socialist view, mm. and I mean, you know, you you go around the world, uh, Mario, and you look at the People's Republic of this. Mm. That means it's not a republic. <laughs> the Democratic Republic of North Korea, it's not democratic. <laughs> okay. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the term Republican, I don't think they're entitled to it. Okay. Because um, they, I mean, for instance, they they supported deeply sectarian politics in Northern Ireland. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm always amused, you know, down at the RDS when they mobbed me when I lost my seat. There were guys with, with tricolours. But they don't look at the orange um, panel in that at all. They de- they don't really understand. Mm. Um, I mean, you look at you look at you know, it happened on both sides. I'm not suggesting it was it was a monopoly of one side or the other, but taking workmen out off a bus and machine gunning them mm. because they were Protestants. Mm. You know, that, but as you say, that and, happened and, and on allow, both sides. Allowing the only Catholic to run down the road, that's a pretty shocking thing. I know, thing but that, as you say, it happened on both sides and equally atrocious on both sides. I, I, I agree. I'm not... I'm not, yeah, I'm not, so I'm not yeah, but, yeah, but a, 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 for a disciplined mo- movement mm. to start machine gunning Protestant workers mm. who are coming back from a building... Yeah, but uh, they site, would say they have eschewed that side of their... Their, their existence, their, well, their identity. But, but they haven't, you see. I mean, this is the point. But they would say that they but, have, But they, they claim to have done it. But, but recently, during the, the COVID thing, Bobby's story died. 
Now, Bobby Story was one of their chief uh, organisers of criminality in Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, he uh, he organised um, uh, most of their theft and, and robbery organize, uh, operations. He was the capo de tutto of the of of of, of the Belfast provost. Mm. And they, they, they organised this huge, big stunt funeral for mm. them where they, they're not wearing balaclavas, but they all, they look like a, um, a, a, the, the, um, the, uh, the cast of, uh, of um, what's the name of the, the, the Irish dancing? Um, river dance. River dance. River dance, yeah. I mean, they, they, come, they, 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 they come up the street in serried ranks and they pretend to have a funeral in Milltown Cemetery. And in fact, they whisk his body away to be cremated somewhere else. Okay. And Mary Lou and her friends all attend that. Now, what message is that to a liberal Protestant who might be thinking about United Ireland? Mm. You know, that this guy who uh, was at the centre of terrorism and criminality um, is is now being honoured by this gross breach of the law um, uh, as, as happened. Okay. Can I move on? Yeah. Okay. Um, you're really passionate about that subject. I am. So actually, I thought you were going to go down a different road, the economic road with Sinn Féin, which actually... Well, sorry, well, I, I, I do take... I do. T- I mean, the point is, at the moment, they are pretending to be something which they aren't. Okay, this is what uh, I got for you. That's, yeah. I, I can't put it any further yeah, than that. I you hear know, you. That, that's where I we hear are. you. So I'm listening to a, a former Attorney General, Minister Tonishta, yeah. talk about all sorts of subjects, Sinn Féin, and you mentioned Castro's Cuba. I then think of another man in Irish life... Um, a man who is trusted by many, many people. Yeah. Um, if if not people who wholly understand him, then at least intuitively they trust him because they believe he's a decent man. Yeah. And that man is Michael D. Higgins. Yeah. He's the president of Ireland. Yeah. And I'm thinking of you and him, and I see your poles apart. Well, we probably are in some respects, but I voted for him twice. Just, As just, president, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and the reason I did was there was shinners in the other. Uh, well, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought he was probably the one of the um, one of the uh, better. Um, he was the best candidate at the time. Yeah, and I mean, uh, but he would he, be a Marxist, wouldn't he? No, he's. I don't think he's a Marxist. I mean, I, I think he's he's a, a radical socialist. He's a he's, at he, heart. He comes from a radical social a socialist background. But let's remember, he was in the Fianna Fáil Common in UCG when he was a student. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, he's he's moved. Uh, but he would have own. sympathy for Castro's Cuba in many yeah, respects, he wouldn't would, he? But but I mean, um, look, I he was the he was the best person for the job at the time. I don't agree with some of the things he's done. But um, or said rather, yeah. but I do generally think that he's represented us well, that he's articulate, that he has a view on history. I mean, yes. I don't want a, a potato up in, in our Correct. own Correct. Who, who has no views on anything. You respect him. Or who can't stand up and speak. You respect uh, him. From, off the cuff yeah. with, 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 with intelligence. What, do, you think, do, you think he's a, do you think he should be allowed to say the things he does? Do you think he goes over the line? Sometimes he does. Mm. Um, Is that a problem? Um, or could it, we move it, the line? It could be up to a point. I mean, for instance, um, uh, the day we're recording this, there seems to be yeah. that minor spat about the UN. Farmers and the farmers. But, and the farmers. But I mean, um, look, does it matter? No. I mean, it doesn't really matter no, all doesn't. that much. But if he if he got stuck into, uh, you know, some matter of deep sensitivity. Like not uh, referring a bill to the, or like referring a bill to well, the no, Senate. No, the, 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 he's entitled to refer yeah. bills to the Supreme Court and I hope he, he exercises that function. Court, but, yeah. but, but, but I mean, he's... Um, He's 
if he if he strayed too far, I would say so. I'd have, mm. I'd have, I'd have no no problem about doing it. But we knew what we were electing. I mean, we didn't think we were electing Michael McDowell. <laughs> and um, uh, he, he, he's, um, he's, he's, he's testing the limits of the, of the conventions which, are tied to, which apply to the presidency. Um, but generally speaking, I voted for him twice and I, I think uh, he was the best on each occasion. I, I had no doubt yeah. that he was better than any of the other candidates who presented themselves. Can I ask you a legal question? Yeah. Yeah, so... Here it is, right? And now this may be me being very stupid, okay? So you can almost school me if you want to. Um, so this it's to do with defamation and yeah. it's to do with um, reputation and yeah. it's to do with uh, accusations and criminal acts that yeah. may or may not have been committed. So this is to do with, let's say, I'll use Russell Brand as the, as the yeah. example, okay? So uh, Russell, I'll try and tell you what I'm getting at. Russell Brand has been accused of uh, rape, sexual assault. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's even gone to court yet, but certainly in the court of public opinion, it's out there and yeah. his face is everywhere. Ostensibly, the man is uh, ruined, I suppose. His yeah. reputation is ruined. Yeah. My, my question to you is a legal one. Um, when somebody wants to pursue somebody like Russell Brand, why does the person who is being pursued have to be put in the papers? Well, so, so in other words, could they not just presume without ruining his life before somebody has decided whether they're guilty or not? Well, and well, of course, this is to I have to finish because yeah. this is to be completely um, understanding that I am I know, I, I I, that, that, that to do with victims and victims coming forward. I'm absolutely 100 yeah. percent behind them. Yeah. Having said that, does the person who they're accusing have to be exposed in the papers? Do you understand? Well, I do. And I understand that completely. I mean, there are parallels between himself and Jimmy Savile, for instance, that uh, he was... Um, but Jimmy was not uh, uh, ever accused of being um, sexually active um, and everyone thought he was living at home with his mammy mm. uh, and, mm. and that he mm. was a bit of an oddball mm. doing good works. And uh, the public image of him was, was one way, whereas Russell Brand actually made himself the bad boy, you know, yeah. and desc- described his sex life yeah. uh, vividly and all the rest of it. And people thought, uh, which I don't accept at all, that uh, he was humorous. I never, I never had a laugh once looking yeah. at him. I, I felt nausea looking right. at him. I yeah, say. did you? Yeah. 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 I never liked. Well, him I mean, you never all. struck me as the kind of guy, Michael, that would wear mas- mascara yourself. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, Michael McDowell going around. Well, my new bookie wookie, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Michael uh, McDowell here, Ranala, Dublin Six. Fancy a bit of schnooky wookie on the side? Me and Eamon Gilmore and Michael D Higgins. Woohoo! Um, but I, I, but I mean. In in truth, I have to say to you that um, look at Cliff Richard. Yes, I mean he was ruined. Ruined by by being accused by the media of of, this of is my uh, question. And and so was um, I've forgotten who who was the other English uh, politician. Uh, and it turned out there was no truth in it at all. Um, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, uh, Nigel Lawson. Nigel Lawson. No, no, no uh, uh, Leon Britton. Leon Britton. He was ruined. Mm by um, media speculation of this kind. Mm. Um, so uh, the answer is, uh, the answer to your point is that... Uh, Do I have it, a point? Uh, but I think you were asking a question. Yes. The answer to the question you ask is this, that um, it's fascinating in England. You know, they got rid of fox hunting, but by God, when they want to actually uh, hunt somebody down, they do it without any regard to the possibility that some of these complaints might be false. No, a lot of people are. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not going to get into victim blaming because you know and I know uh, 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 your 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 podcast would be um, cancelled yeah. if you did. But I mean, um, 
he he portrayed himself as having a gross attitude towards sexual relations. And yet some of the people who I'm reading about actually went back to him after bad experiences. I don't know what was going on in their head and I certainly don't know what was going on in his head. Mm. But I mean... Um, but that's uh, a completely different point though. Well, I mean, but, but the, the, well, to go back to your, to your basic point, which is uh, should he be hunted down in public by the media, um, there doesn't seem to be very much due process. That's all I'd say. Yeah. I mean, look at... I mean, I'm going to just, just stick it in your face. Yeah. Like, if somebody, for some reason, had a grudge against Michael McDowell, a 22-year-old boy, or an 18-year-old girl, yeah. Who knows another? Who who knows another girl? Fifteen. Yeah. Right. And they decide they have it in for you for whatever reason. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's even in the back of their mind. They don't even yeah. know. Maybe they're lunatics. Yeah. And they go to the newspapers and they say Michael McDowell did this and this. That could destroy you. It could. Look at Pat Carey. Uh, recently, uh, was uh, very seriously damaged by accusations which were not proven. Are proceeded with. But do you think that there could be a change in the law that somebody says you're not allowed to actually print his name or his face? Well, sorry, that is the law at the moment in Ireland. Uh, well, Pat Carey is no, but for in damages. England I'm talking about. But in, in England, it's the case as well. But I mean, but then how uh, do they legally put his face in the papers? B- because because um, I believe that English judges uh, allow people to say, you know, that. Um, somebody's house has been raided by the police and helicopters flying above the house and all the rest yeah. of it, uh, and say it's not defamatory to report that. I think it is clearly defamatory. Um, see, the English have this ridiculous idea about being a personality. Mm. That it, once, once you are in the public domain, anything can be said about you. But look at Cliff Richard. He had helicopters hovering over yeah, his I house. Remember. He had the media all brought along by the police. Mm. And... Um, he had no defence about this, but was it defamatory of 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 of, of Cliff Richard? Um, for, for was it defamatory of him for BBC to show all this to show people? Was it defamatory to him? Was he defamed by it? I would yes, believe so. Of course, it was. And I, I think you know, um, I think that some behaviour of that kind is defamatory. But in fairness, in Ireland, we do not do that. I mean, with with a few exceptions, you you rarely see. Um, details of a police operation um, uh, uh, of a suspected person uh, going onto the um, onto the uh, front pages. Now there have been exceptions. Michael, you've been a pleasure to talk to, but there's, you're not finished yet yeah. because listening to this podcast live, there are people who listen to this podcast live, and and they get to I get them to ring in every so often. So will you say hello to a few of them? Yep. Okay. So Pascal Dunn, who's on the line, say hello to him. <laughs> Pascal, keep going. You're doing a great job. Well, thank you very much, Michael. And may I say, I haven't actually spoken to you yet. So thank you for saying that. And uh, now, please don't interrupt me. I didn't cut across you. So first of all, Michael, I am wearing my tie, as you suggested, because you said good politicians wear ties. And I always wear my tie. Um, If I could ask you, I'm still preparing my budget submission with Michael McGrath. If I could ask you, is there any... um, um, advice you'd give me for this year's budget and I mean that sincerely Michael I believe you still have your communion money that's Pascal thank you I'm uh, sorry Pascal you're talking th- to yourself again Pascal I think you have your, you still have your communion money look after it are you saying I'm prudent <laughs> prudent am I a good minister you're a great minister thank you very much um, do you think he's a good minister I do yeah yeah. I, th- I think he's well read mm. and uh, thoughtful mm. 
He's still there, actually. Go on ahead, Pascal. Yes, I would take one issue with something that Michael said, and that is, he said, all of us politicians in Leinster House that we all want to be Taoiseach. I would take exception to that. I don't want to be Taoiseach. I want to be the puppet master. Well, I don't believe you, Pascal. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Do you think he would be, he'd love the big job? If Leo, if Leo fell under a bus, I think Pascal would take the job. Leo's on the line as well. Say hello to Leo. <laughs> hi, Leo. Uh, uh, hi, uh, Michael. Um, I'm, I think it's an unfortunate choice of, uh, of, of phrases throwing people under buses. I don't think we need to go there. <laughs> I think you've already spoken about paramilitaries and Sinn Féin. I think we, you know, we don't need to be throwing anybody underneath buses. Um, I, I noticed as well you were, you were talking about Thatcherites. Uh, earlier on, I would remind you that uh, you know the end of the word Thatcherite is right. So, okay, I think we 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 can both agree on that. And um, you taught me everything I knew. Thank you very much, Michael. Well, I may have taught you everything you knew, but you've forgotten a few things since, Leo. What do you think of him as a statesman? Um, I've one gripe with Leo, and that is what he's done about Shanna Darren. Oh, which in which you sit? In which I sit. First of all, he tried to get rid of it. Then he established a group to uh, um, report to him and draft a law mm. to give ordinary Irish citizens the vote, whether they're graduates or not. And when I presented the report and the bill, and he paid for the drafting of the bill um, uh, to him, he said he'd no interest in the project at all, mm. which made me wonder why I'd spent six months chairing a, an 18-member uh, group to, to come forward with the report. Right. Um, do, you, do, you, do you get on? Do you get on with David Norris? Very well. Mm. David is part of my group. Mm. Um, I'm, He's I'm, on the line as well. <laughs> well, I know I'm part of his group, and I love being part of Michael McDowell's group. Um, I love posh Republicans. I really do. Thirty-two counties, thirty-two, thirty-two service hors d'oeuvres. They're wonderful, wonderful people. Have you ever heard my Dublin accent? <laughs> do you know he does a great Dublin accent? Go ahead, David. I have his Jamie Mac. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Would you look at the state of your man? Edward Gonzaga. You're wonderful. Yeah. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing, and stay as far to the right as possible. Yeah. Well, David. Um, yes. I know you will be listening to this, David, and uh, you and I um, have uh, a very, very solid relationship. We do have a very solid relationship and you are extremely tolerant. I must say, thank you for your service to the Irish state. (laughs) Eamon Dunphy's on the line as well. Yeah. Say hello. Hi, Eamon. You said that with a certain amount of trepid- no, I mean, trepidation. It, I, I, Was, do we? Do we? Are we talking? Or where, we, where we, are we, we are indeed. I mean, no. I, I was. I was talking. The Why other... didn't we go all the way with the PDs? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is the answer to that? But I what went I... wrong? Was it but... Shane? Was it Ross? <laughs> I, I, I just I, 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 one thing that I, I was speaking recently in the Shannon yes. about um, you know the RTE debacle, and um, I just zeroed in on the proposition that TDs who go on, and uh, ministers who go on uh, RTE get a hammering normally. And uh, uh, you know, interviewers think that uh, they've done no good unless they've scored a point or humiliated or embarrassed their interviewee. Um, and I said there was one glorious exception to that, and that was uh, Eamon, because uh, he, when he was uh, doing his uh, show on uh, on radio... Now, the last word, yes. Uh, the, Today the, FM. Today FM. Yes. He did interviews um, an hour long without 
and let his interviewees speak. He didn't let them monopolise the whole thing, but he allowed them to express their views and he didn't engage in the kind of the childish stuff of trying to trip them up all the time. Mario, I've always said Michael McDowell is one of Ireland's greatest politicians. He is the John F. Kennedy we never had, and I'd like to thank him for that tribute. And I must say, I'm crying at the moment because Michael and myself... I remember that time we had, I think it was 18 pints in the horseshoe bar. (laughs) By God, he can put them away. And he's a great man, a great man. Oh, indeed. And we're both, uh, we're both the fond memories of Mount Pleasant Square in Ranelagh. Yes. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye, Eamon. That was a bit curt. And finally, uh, Michael T. Higgins is on the line. Say hello. Hello, President. Yes, indeed. I've been listening um, with great interest and thank you very much for your contribution. Um, I would like to invite you up to the Aorus on uh, Friday, if you wouldn't mind. I'm having a Cuban night. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're having some music. Um, We're having some poetry. Do you you write poetry? (laughs) No, President. No, you don't write poetry, of course. Um, Christy Moore uh, will be playing and they're donning and um, some Planksty and Moving Hearts. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll be having poetry readings and Cuban food. Are you available? Um, I'll go to the Oris any time, Michael. Yes. Well, get back to my PA and I'll get back to your PA. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's, you've really, I mean, that's, that's an impressive guest list of, <laughs> of people who wanted to talk to you. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's uh, not bad. Um, but I'll give you a prize if you can ever mimic me on, 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 on radio effectively. Yeah. What prize will you give me? Um, uh. Find out when you've achieved it. <laughs> oh, very, very lawyer-like comeback. Very lawyer-like. Michael, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Same here. Thank you for joining thanks me. Indeed. Thanks indeed. And my thanks to Michael McDool for taking the time from his very, very heavy workload and hectic schedule to join me on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. You, of course, can contact me anytime you want. I'm on Gmail, Rosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all and I get back to most of them. I'm on Twitter at GiveGrubMario. And if you can, just tell one person uh, about this podcast. Um, Subscribe and like on the usual platforms. But just tell one person. Um, I'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.